disagree, but begging disagrees with me. I would beg to disagree, but begging disagrees with me. I told you I didn't want to go to this dinner. You know I don't go for those ones that you bother about. So when they say something that makes me start to simmer, that fancy wine won't put this fire out. Oh, kick me under the table all you want. I won't shut up. I won't shut up. Kick me under the table all you want. I won't shut up. I won't shut up. To buy you a pair of pillow sold hiking boots to help you with your climb. I may or may not be live on Facebook right now. And if I am, and you can hear me, <laughs> then let me know it's working because I'm doing a quick, super vulnerable test alone in my house. Uh, so I'm gonna see if I can see myself. This might mess everything up. But anyway, uh, this is Shelly Smith of Reeds and Weeds, just by myself. And um, I just had to do this today because this, um, wait a minute, I have two things pulled up here. <laughs> Welcome to Reads and Weeds, the show that I almost gave up on this week. Um, but I've been doing it for two years, and it's very important to me during this time to give me a focus. It's been my <laughs> thing to cling to. It's April 25th, and we're still in quarantine, and this past week was the first week that I felt really out of it and really blah, and like I was just going through the motions and having trouble concentrating and um, doing reads and weeds, no matter who's listening, really gives me something to read, something to organize, technology to figure out, and uh, I was bumming because... <laughs> Me and Brian Cox, wonderful writer and editor and artist in the Ypsilanti area, and Chris, my co-host from the last couple of years, um, we had this wonderful conversation about Elements of Fiction by Walter Mosley, and it was actually the second time we'd recorded it, because the first time the audio was really terrible. This time, we had this great conversation, it was pretty focused, and the audio just didn't save. It wouldn't save in a format that we could edit. And we tried and I had other people try, but the conversation was just lost. And I was bumming because you know how when a friend that you really love, you get to introduce them to another friend that you really love and they like each other. It was that recorded when Chris met Brian and, um, we had, on one of our last shows, when we discussed Brian's short story, Surrogate Initiative, a couple of episodes ago, an episode or two, and uh, we formed a little writing group out of Reads and Weeds, which we all really needed. We didn't know it. And um, Chris wanted encouragement through little flame emojis when she wrote a certain amount 
per day. We've been doing that. And I love holding people accountable. I think it's the greatest. And I love having writing assignments. And I think that's the greatest. And so um, I was really excited to have that episode up and to talk about our writing group and all that. But it's lost and I had to let go of it. So um, I'm going to give you a tiny overview of this book because it's wonderful. And I've had it out from the Ypsilanti Library for two months because I'm not allowed to take it back, I guess. And they're not taking books back because maybe it's diseased. Um, but what a great book to be stuck with. Not too long. And if you're a writer that loves, like I love Stephen King's um, book on writing. I have a book right now going called creating spellbinding sentences <clears throat> and I love those kinds of books so if you're that kind of person if you know Walter Mosley prolific uh, mystery writer prolific I mean he knows what he's talking about he's this, this is the follow-up book to how to write your novel this is the year to you this is the year you write your novel this is the follow-up book to that and uh, it's inspiring if you love things to inspire your writing. Um, before I get into that, it's going to be really short. And then because we formed a because we formed a group a writing group, I wanted to write about what I was missing. And I've been writing about all kinds of things, but I hadn't really. Whenever I start thinking about the people I love and the people I miss and the things I want to do and the things that have been canceled and I just found out Bliss Fest was canceled and all my friends' concerts that are canceled and all my comedian friends whose shows have been canceled and the shows I was producing have been canceled and um, and I just got really sad and I, and, and I was dwelling in the sadness and realizing that's really not what I want to do. I wanted to just tell people how much I love them and so I wrote this poem. So here's how this is going to go. Um, I'm A, winging it. B, I'm by myself. C, I've been smoking Blue Dream for the last hour. Thank you. Sticky for curbside service. Amen. By the way, so grateful for cannabis. Without reading in cannabis, really, reads and weeds, this show would be tough. Not going to lie. But my imagination and my health is intact, and that is something I'm so grateful for. And also I got really impressed this week because I found out a couple of my friends are starting new relationships right now, which blows my mind. I don't know how to do it in regular time. So the fact that somehow people are dating right now is blowing my mind. So way to go humans. Um, anyway, I lost this recording of me and Chris and Brian. But here's what you need to know about elements of fiction. If you're a writer, um, <laughs> oh my gosh, you need to get it. Um, just for the I'm stuck or I'm scared or I come to the blank page feeling anxiety about all the possibilities and losing control of my story and how much detail to put in. And it's, he has this wonderful way of, here's what I'm about to teach you. Plot is the structure of revelation. And then he has a little example story. So for me, it feels like a very good class, uh, but it's also really fun to read. 
Um, plot is the structure of revelation, meaning how much information is revealed, when, it, when is it revealed, what does the reader need to know, and how that is part of your craft. And as I'm reading this, I'm reading another book called Pachinko, where the author does that perfectly. And we discussed how another book that we read earlier in Reads and Reads was called um, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. And if you haven't read that, that is the most expert, slow reveal of information with a plot of recent memory. So look that up. Another wonderful thing about this book, uh, image that I will keep with me. Um, when we don't know how to express ourselves and we treat it with fear, and he suggests this sort of looking at it like a toddler trying to express themselves, a little kid, little baby, and if you've got a toddler around, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They don't know what they're trying to say. They, you know, they don't have a word for sun and forward roll and grass and bugs. They don't have that, but they just start making noises. They just say, ah, you know, and that is how we approach the page. I'm trying to express something and I'm tumbling towards it, grasping at words and I shouldn't be afraid because trying to do it and experiencing doing it are the ways to learn how to do it. So thank you, Walter Mosley. Also, this idea that the story is bigger than your head. The story is bigger than your head, meaning you start writing a story and then suddenly you think about the larger world, the world outside of your character's house, the world outside of your character's, what year is it? What's going on? Can I tell this story about a woman in her apartment without mentioning that there's a pandemic? And if so, do I have to bring in drug companies? Do I have to bring in China? Do I have to bring in... <laughs> the Spanish flu from a hundred years ago, like, and how that also was kind of not really a Spanish flu the way this isn't a Chinese flu. It's just that they talked about it a lot because they weren't at war. Do I have to do all that? Or can I just tell the story of this girl in her apartment trying to get her technology to work for it to be a good story? And uh, it's a wonderful thing to think about that in terms of reining in your context, how much needs to be a part of the story and how much doesn't. Thank you, Walter Mosley. Uh, character as A, the lens through which we see things, see the world. So what is your character? Who are they and how does that inform the way you see the world? And character is your beast of burden. They carry your story around. They move the story from here to there. And I've been binge watching Ozark and uh, analyzing how their characters are beast of burden. If you haven't done that yet, take the concept of character being your beast of burden and then watch Ozark and watch them carry the story around. It's fucking amazing. You can spend a whole day. Um, physical description. <laughs> I'm really tearing through this, but he has this exercise of like describe a room in the greatest detail, the greatest possible detail. And you realize once you get into that exercise, which is fun to do, you can never really finish because everything, where you got that scarf, why the temperature in the room matters, what's sitting on that shelf that's been sitting there too long, why is the table base so dusty, and everything about a room could take you 10,000 pages. When you're trying to communicate something, the specifics of the room and which specifics that are revealed 
let the imagination of the reader fill in the rest. And that's a beautiful thing. Um, there's a wonderful <sighs> describing an idea and how, how do we describe an idea? Oh, Walter Mosley, I'm doing you such a disservice right now. I just want my listeners to go read. <laughs> and I hope they can find a copy of this book and get it and then email me and say, hey, I've been writing and I've been reading elements of fiction and now I want to talk about it with you. And then I want you to call me because we all need to stay connected. So this will be the last thing I say. Uh, no, second to last thing. Writing is rewriting over and over and over again, which if you read books about writing or you've taken classes on writing, you know this is true. Writing is rewriting. And one of the things he says about his first draft is, it's the jibber jabber on a first date. You're like trying to put your best foot forward. Put your best foot forward. I feel like I said that wrong. <laughs> um, you're trying to bring the best and then suddenly you realize, oh, I could have been more honest and you, you wish you could go back and say everything in a more genuine way. And then you realize you said too much. And then you realize you didn't say that one thing that was important and writing is rewriting and writing is rewriting. And he has this wonderful analogy of what you're trying to express and how you don't need as many words to express it as you think. And there was a nonverbal guy in his school, in his high school, or maybe it was a guy describing a nonverbal guy in his high school who couldn't use words, but he would come up with these gestures to, uh, to, I'm going to see if I can find it because it's worth it. It's a story of Nathan his um there was a young man named nathan who attended my high school he had moderate learning disabilities and emotional problems too nathan did not always have the words to express himself and so he often used pantomime to answer questions or to make requests on the lunch court some of the kids would ask nathan questions to see what kind of contortions he might use to answer okay what well, one day i heard someone ask what about the sun nathan he gave a rare frown, then bent his knees and hunched over them with his hands hanging down before him. Then slowly he stood up, his arms rising above his shoulders as he rose. When he was fully erect, his fingers splayed and his arms had formed a 90 degree arc above his head. He smiled broadly, grinned actually, his face, his face flushed with joy. It was without a doubt the most beautiful thing I ever saw in high school. The poetry in Nathan was so strong that it survives at least a little, even just in these words. Our novels would be lucky to have his knack. I knew that his understanding of the question and of the sign and his feelings about both were the answer to a query that did not understand itself. Ooh, what? That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to express feeling. Um, oh my gosh, voices, the voice through which you say things, Whew. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it justice. I need my friends. I need to talk to people about books <laughs> and ideas. And, uh, so because I'm so sad that I, because I'm so sad that I lost the audio and because I, because my friends, Brian and Chris and Lauren, are holding me accountable to writing. I wrote um, 
a, like a love poem to everyone and, um, and sent it to them. And they said, you should share this. <laughs> and so I said, um, I will. And, uh, so I'm going to, and I put it up on my page. I read it last night. I didn't love it as much as when I first read it, but I'm going to read it now. And I've read it, um, to a couple of friends that I saw last week. And this is, thank you for being part of my little experiment of being by myself and reading to you something I've written and admitting that I failed on my last show. And you're part of me keeping this to, I'm going to produce something every week because the show must go on. <laughs> and I was really going to be heartbroken if I didn't produce anything this week because uh, it's what I'm clinging to. So here we go. This is my love poem to whoever's listening or whoever listens in the future or to whoever reads it. Oh, and you know what? Oh my gosh, I just thought of this. Here's your challenge if you happen to listen to this. This poem is on the Reads and Weeds blog. It's called Love Poem. And what I would love so much is that if you read it and if you're an actor or an artist or an improviser or someone who just likes to read out loud, read some part of it back to me. Send me a Facebook Messenger video of yourself reading part of this. The, read it the way you would read it. Read it. If there's some part of it that you feel like, oh, this is something I really want to say to so-and-so, then read it and film it. Um, record yourself reading it like you would read it to that person. And then I'll make a big compilation. It will be awesome. So here we go. I want to see your beautiful face up close. I want to make you laugh. I want three or four of you to laugh so much you spit right in my face. I want to dance with you outside in the sunshine and drink from the same beer bottle. I want to pick up your kids and smother them with kisses. I want to wear a brightly colored dress to the grocery store. And when we see each other, we will share a way too long hug and cry in public and then laugh and linger in the aisle and make a plan to share dinner. I want bureaucratic structures to crumble. I want the people to have what they need and be satisfied. I want things to make sense. I want everyone to feel safe and fearless. I want us to hold hands and pray together. I want to bless everyone I know and love and everyone you know and love and love and honor everyone that we know and love that has passed. I want to harmonize with you to sit around a campfire and beg you to play that song that I love on the guitar so I can sing it. I want to get on a plane with you and go to an island where we're greeted warmly by strangers to become best friends. I want to sit at a local bar on this island 
and lazily party with the locals all day until we have too much sun and need aloe and a nap. I want to go to a big strange new city with you and wander in and out of bookstores and bars and coffee shops and find a great place for dinner. I want a table near the window so we can make fun of people walking by. I want people to surrender their pride and greed and humble themselves to lessons. I want to talk with you for hours about that book you love and why you love it. I want to listen to the stories of your crazy cousin at the Tigers games and how your grandmother used to make the best pierogies. I want to cook your favorite meal. I want you to call me while I'm at the store and tell me not to forget that certain spice because it really makes the dish. And you just check the cabinet and we're running really low. I want us to be in a crowded bar with a reggae band and a good buzz. <laughs> I want you to come over to borrow a bike tire pump and then end up staying to smoke a joint and drink coffee for hours and gossip. I want to help you dye your roots. <laughs> I want us to paint each other's fingernails. I want to lay on my side of the bed and stare in your face while you tell me about some mundane thing after we've had great sex. I want to feel all of your skin on mine. I see the changes that I knew were coming and know they are good. I can feel it. I want to calm the fear of change that I see, the fear of loss, the fear of lack. I want us to deliver. I want, to, I want us to have eyes to see and minds to conceive that we are provided for. I see kindness and I want to magnify it. I want the light that is shining on all the ways we are connected to each other and the earth to get brighter and brighter and clearer and brighter until the act of denying it seems like obvious madness. I see resources to be shared. I see bartering and evening out. I see grace and forgiveness. I see a new knowing as we meet on this plane of uncertainty. I see struggle. I see surrender. I see us. We are a web of pulsing energy. We are a big, emotional, beautiful, imperfect human organism sharing the whole planet with all the creatures hurling through space. I see us. I see you. That's it. I hope you feel seen and loved. And I hope we all feel seen and loved. I hope you're reading. I hope you have enough cannabis. If not, let me know. <laughs> I hope you feel connected to people and that you're learning things and that you don't feel hopeless. I hope you're finding ways to be creative and have fun. Mm. And uh, thank you for being with me on my show must go on. Super mini-sode <laughs> version of Reeds and Weeds. And uh, because of you listening to this 
I don't feel like I failed myself this week. So thank you. If you've listened to Reads and Weeds for a while, tell me where you are. Tell me what state you're in, what your state of affairs is. Tell me what you're reading. Tell me if you want to be on the show. I'm really grateful when people do that. Hi, Ethel. I saw you pop up. How cool. Um, This is Shelly Smith with Reads and Weeds. I think it worked. I think that was Facebook Live. (laughs) Yay. It only took me four fucking tries. (laughs) Bye. I have a hurricane. Listen to yourself. Turn world turns its own needs. Dummy, serve your own needs. Beat it up and knock speed. Grunt, no strength.